Well, let's uh, dive into the message. Last Sunday, we were looking at John chapter 21. For the last several weeks, we have been in the Gospel of John. And this past Easter season, I decided for us to camp out in the Gospel of John. Good Friday, we looked at John, Resurrection Sunday, and Palm, and Palm Sunday, we have been in the Gospel of John. And last Sunday, we got to see this interaction between Jesus and Peter. Jesus had been raised from the dead. But this is before Jesus ascends into heaven. And John gives us this beautiful story of Jesus and Peter having a one-on-one conversation on the shores of, we believe, Galilee after Jesus had fed them breakfast. And Jesus comes to Peter, and Jesus wants to know where Peter's heart is at. See, previously, Peter had denied Jesus three times on the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested. And Jesus comes to Peter, and he asks Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Jesus wanted to get to the heart of where Peter was at, because previously, Peter denied Christ, and Peter chose safety and himself over Christ. And we looked at this last Sunday, and and I kind of wanted to uh, pick up where we left off last Sunday. And the reason why is because last Sunday we, we read through verse 19, but we didn't really talk about 18, 19. But this story continues. So after Jesus comes to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? Jesus has some words for Peter, and we're going to see how this story continues on this morning. So our, the title of our message this morning is our focus And we're going to be reading from John 21, verses 18 through 25. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to to John 21. And uh, let's stand this morning as we read the Word of God out of honor for him. So this is John 21, starting in verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, and the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper, and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? Verse 21, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that the disciple was not to die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? Verse 24, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, there was also many things that, that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Let us pray this morning. Father, as we come to your word, Father, encourage us. Father, speak to us this morning by your Holy Spirit. 
Father, I thank you that we can gather and we can worship you. And Lord, may your word become clear this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated here. Like I had said earlier, Jesus and Peter had just got done having a conversation. It was a one-on-one conversation. And Jesus asking Peter, Peter, do you love me? And then Jesus lets Peter know how Peter's life is going to end. In verse 19, or, or in verse 18, we're just going to go through this verse by verse this morning. Jesus says this to Peter, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, Peter, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19 says, this is said to him to show what kind of death he was going to glorify God. I'm not sure about you, but these words to me are not very encouraging. You had been following Christ for three years. He had died and rose again. He just got done feeding you breakfast on the shores. You just got done having this conversation, and this is all within it. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. And then Jesus says, this is how you're going to die. You will glorify me, Peter. One day, you will stretch out your arms, and you're going to go to a place that you do not want to go. It's interesting, and I say this is not encouraging, because I hear a lot of people talk about wanting to know the Lord's plan for their lives. Do you really want to know all the details? I just kind of throw this one out there because here Peter gets a little bit of details on how his life is going to go. Jesus says, Peter, when you were young, you used to be able to go and do whatever you wanted. But when you are old, you're going to go to a place that you don't really want to go. And they're going to stretch out your hands and it's it's not good. And I, I bring this up because Peter who was so passionate about Christ, I just think about Peter in this moment right here. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Okay, truly, truly, I say to you, this is how things are going to end for you. Now we know through church history, they believe Peter died in 67 to 68 AD under the great leader Nero, which if you've never read about about Nero, I recommend you looking up this guy. He was probably the worst Roman leader they've ever had. But Peter, uh, history and church history says that Peter, on his day of his death, felt felt himself to be unworthy to be put to death in the same way as his master. They were going to hang Peter on a cross, and Peter said, please do not hang me on a cross the same way Jesus was hung on a cross So they hung Peter upside down because Peter did not feel like it was worthy, that he was worthy enough to die in the same manner as his Lord. Peter ended up giving his life to the Lord. And I say that we probably don't really want to have too much information about our our own lives. And it's interesting that Jesus just gives Peter just a little glimpse. He doesn't give him exact details. He just says, Peter... Your life is going to end this way. And guess what? Peter's life ended through crucifixion. Peter ended up stretching out his hands and giving his life for the Lord. 
But I have heard people say, I just want to know what God has for me. And it's just, some people have this burning desire within them. God, what do you have for me? What is next for me? And maybe if you're in college, if you're in college, you are definitely always constantly trying to figure out life. And I realize that. I remember being 21, 22, saying, Lord, what do you have for me? But it's interesting here because Jesus, at the end of this, after at the end of telling Peter, Peter, this is how you're going to end your life, Peter says the two words once again. Peter, follow me. The same command Jesus gave Peter when he first met him is the same command Jesus gives, gives Peter before Jesus ascends into heaven. Peter, this is how your life is going to end, but follow me. Then we get to this next interaction here in verse 20. And John lays this out beautifully here. In verse 20, it says, Peter turned... And saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. So you can just kind of imagine this. Jesus and Peter having this conversation. And then Peter turns back and he sees the disciple whom Jesus loves. And the one in the verse in verse 20, it gives you some more information, which I do want to just kind of quickly point out. This might be a little bit confusing. If you look at, at verse 20, Ed, if you could pull that back up there, it says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had also leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? Scripture here gives us just this, like, more information. The disciple whom Jesus loved is the same guy who at the Last Supper turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, who is going to betray you? Now, I want to talk real quick about this disciple whom Jesus loved. In the Gospel of John, this actually comes up several times. We see several interactions with this exact phrase, the disciple whom Jesus loved. You look at John 13, he shows up, Peter asks this disciple to ask Jesus who's going to betray him. In John 18, when Peter denied Christ, and while the, this disciple, Peter was outside denying Christ, this disciple was in the courtyard with Christ. You see this like constant interaction between this disciple and Peter. This disciple was also standing at the cross when Jesus died. This disciple is the one who Jesus looked at and said, Mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Basically saying, Jesus' earthly mother, Mary, saying to this disciple, this guy is now your son. And there were so many social things going on there to kind of dive into. But basically, Jesus hands his mother over to this guy for him to take care of her. When Mary came and told Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved, Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved ran to the grave together. We see a lot of close interactions between Peter and this disciple. Jesus had an inner three disciples. You may or may not know this, but so Jesus had 12 disciples, but there was three who were like the closest 
to Jesus. And people have kind of wondered, well, who is this disciple? Who is the disciple whom Jesus loves? Because in the Gospel of John, it it doesn't make it perfectly clear, but once again, we have to kind of lean on early church tradition, and they unanimously said that it wasn't Peter and it wasn't James. They believe it was the disciple John. And you guys probably all, all knew that or had been thinking about that. But John is believed to be this disciple whom Jesus loves. So Jesus and Peter are walking. And then they see this guy. This guy who Peter was close with, who was part of the inner, inner circle of Jesus. Peter sees him. And in verse 21, Peter saw him. And said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Now remember, Jesus just got done telling Peter how his life is going to end. Peter, you're going to die for me. And Peter is probably thinking that. And then he sees the disciple whom Jesus loves walking with him. And Peter has to ask this question. Well, Jesus, okay, you you love me and you just told me that I'm going to die for you. What about him? Let's, uh, let's uh, switch the focus off of me real quick. And what about, what about this guy? I know that you love me, but what about him? What's going to happen to him? Peter instantly has to go into this, what I call the comparison game. Jesus, I know that you love me, and this is what's going to happen to me. But Peter, instead of staying, staying focused on Christ... His focus instantly turns to someone else. Well, what about, what about John? What about him? If I'm going to die for you, what about John? Is he also going to have to die for you? It's interesting because as you read the Gospels, these disciples are constantly doing this. They're constantly battling for like, Lord, Lord, who's going to be the greatest among us? We realize that like you're the greatest, but like what about us? And there's this constant battle going on. And even after Jesus' death and resurrection, Peter is still struggling and looking around and looking at someone else and saying, what about this guy? Look what Jesus says to him. Verse 22. Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Peter, you follow me. Peter, why are you so focused on this guy right now? What is it to you, Peter? What if this guy lives until I come back, Peter? What is it to you? Now, the scripture says that there became a rumor that John was not going to die until Jesus came back. It just so happened that John was the last disciple to die. He died of an old age on an island at the age of 90, church history proclaims. But Peter instantly reveals our human nature. Humans have this this nature within us that we love to compare. And Peter and the disciples were no different. They were comparing each other back and forth. What about him? And who, who, who is like number one, Jesus? But this takes place within every aspect of life. We love to compare each other to one another. 
This takes place within our society. This takes place within churches. This takes place within everything from beauty to grades. Let me ask you a quick question. Back in high school, I know for some of you that was not that long ago. Maybe for some of you, it could have been just a little bit longer. We're not, you know, discriminating here. Do you remember where you placed in your class? Some of you are like, oh yeah, yeah. If you came from like a small town of like Nagani or Ishpeming, there was only like 100 people, it was pretty easy. You, you kind of like had that number. But we, we love to compare. And I, I bring that one up because I, I brought up the, the bottom 50. I'm pretty, pretty proud of that one, you know. Other, it's easy to be at the top, people. Try, try being right in the middle of your class. That's where it becomes tough. But we, we love to compare, and we love to know where we stand. Humans compare. Parents compare. You know, it's, it's so, like, it's like, since I've become a parent, it's so easy to, like, compare families to families. Well, this family seems like they got their life together. You know, it seems like they get up early together every day, and their life is just perfect, and their kids never misbehave. And, you know, like, why can't my life be as perfect as this? And we play this comparison game, and even within the church, you know, I've heard worship people say, well, I, I just can't lead worship like so-and-so. You know, I'm no, like, Chris, Chris Tomlin here. And within pastors, guys, guys, I face this as well as a pastor. You know, like with the internet these days, I can watch and see churches from around the world, and it is easy to see these different pastors and these different podcasts, and they seem like they have their life all together, and they are fantastic speakers, and they do these great sermon series. And then there's Jeff. And I'm just like, I, I mean, like, look at like the title of my sermon series. I got nothing. You know, but it's, it's so easy to just get so focused on someone else and on everyone else. And it's like, that's not where our focus has to be. Because we see this interaction here between John and Peter, and Jesus instantly calls out, calls out Peter. Peter, what is it to you? Why do you care so much, Peter? Stop it. Stop looking around, Peter. You Follow me. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about, about what John's doing. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Stop this whole comparison game, Peter, because guess what, Peter? I got a plan for you. And I think that is one of the biggest dangers in the comparison game. Is guys, we all naturally compare ourselves to someone else or different situations or this and that. Maybe it's work or family members. You know, I re remember growing up, I had a sister who was like a straight-A student, and then there's me, and it was just like, you know, it's like I never like measured up. But we have to realize, God created you. God has a plan for you. And if you're spending all your time thinking about someone else's plans or worried about someone else's life, well, I'm not too sure about this, or you're going to miss what God has for you. And Jesus rebukes Peter here. Peter, what is it to you? Let it go. Stop focusing. Follow me. Jesus brings Peter's attention back to Peter. Saying, Peter, I, I want you. Don't worry about this. I want you, Peter. 
And I think for us in the church today, we need to be encouraged in this. Guys, it's so easy to just to be constantly looking around. What does God have for you? Have you ever thought about that? What's God's plan for you? I'll tell you. It hasn't ever changed. Jesus saying, follow me. I want you to follow me. I don't want you looking around. I don't want you worried about someone else's life. I want you focused on me because I got a plan for you. And I believe that when believers realize this, when we really realize, God, you've got a plan for me, for me individually, man, it's, you can start working out and doing the will of the Lord. But if we keep our focus on other things, I'm telling you, church, it's only going to be a distraction and you're only going to wind up frustrated. Because if you're constantly comparing your life to your brother's or sister's life or somebody else's life, it's going to just leave you frustrated. God created you individually. And we need to learn to become comfortable with, with who God is and how God made you. Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't want to transform you and change you and work things out within you. But the focus can't be on everything else. It has to be on Christ and on Christ alone. I don't know if you've ever seen how Peter wrote in uh, 1 Peter here. But this is Peter years later. And I want to read some, some verses to you. This comes out of 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 6. This is Peter years later. After he had been following Christ and keeping his focus there, he says this. He says in verse 6, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Verse 7, Casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Verse 9, Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever Amen. Peter had learned that God had a plan for him. I would point out this one. When human beings are suffering, that is probably the most difficult time within our lives. Because when we are suffering, it's really easy to question God. God, why am I going through this? Why am I suffering right now in this season? And it's really easy in those seasons, and I would just just warn you because you will all go through suffering you will all have problems and you all have trials and tribulations there we do not escape suffering on this side of heaven jesus has already promised that and if you are a believer and a follower of christ your suffering will probably be even greater on this side of heaven but when we're in the midst of suffering on this side of heaven it's really easy to start wondering god what are you doing god why aren't why aren't they suffering why do i have to suffer why do I have to go through this? God, why, 
And you start asking why, and you start asking. And, and I would just say, in those seasons, it's so easy to get, our, to get our attention off of Christ, to get our focus off of him, because we end up just start dwelling on the suffering. I love how Peter encourages us in 1 first, first Peter. In verse 10, he says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I want to encourage us this morning, church, to keep our focus on Christ. It's so easy to be looking around. So easy to play the comparison game. And honestly, it's so easy to be looking at what's happening around us. But the call of Christ for your life and for my life is to be fixated on him. To be seeking him above all things else. To have our focus singly on him and on him alone. And I think for, for us, we need to remember God's plan for you and for me. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of everything going on, Jesus' command has never changed. Jesus says, follow me. Two very simple words, but two words that can sometimes be so difficult to live out. But I want to encourage you, church, and myself this past week, we have to keep our focus on Christ. And when you see yourself playing the comparison game, well, what about end it? And say, God, help me to stay focused on you. Lord, help me to keep my eyes on you. Because, Lord, I believe that you got a plan for me. I believe that, that you have something for me to do on this side of heaven. And, Jesus, I desire to follow you and you alone. And I think, church, we got to just, just stay that focus. We sang a song this morning saying, I will follow you. And maybe some of you might have just sang those words and didn't really think much of it. But in the song, it says, Lord, where you go, I'll go. Where you lead, basically, Lord, whatever you want from me, I will follow you. And that's the ultimate call, is for us to have our focus so fixated on him that no matter what God calls you to do or where to go, you will say, Lord, I will follow you no matter what. You called me to follow you. You called me to, to keep my focus on you and you alone. Lord, I will follow you. And I think, church, we need to be encouraged in that. Because the season we are living in, there's so many distractions, and I know there's so many comparison games out there. We have to keep our focus on Christ and pursuing him and seeking him and going after him and doing his will that he has for us. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. I want to pray for us as a church, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and to lead us in that song. And as this song is being played, I'm going to challenge you to really think about these words. Because it's a challenge to say, Lord, I will follow you no matter what. And maybe, and I would, I would strongly encourage you, if you do not mean these words, we do not sing these words. Because I do not want to be taken the Lord's name in vain. If we will not follow we have to be honest. But I want us to just sit and say, God, I want to follow you. I want my focus to be on you. I don't want to be looking around.
Let me pray. Father, we give you praise and glory. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for this interaction between you and John and Peter this morning, Lord. God, help us to have our focus on you. Lord, help us to, to when these distractions come, for us to, to keep our focus on you. God, as we, as we sing this song and as we listen, Lord, challenge us this morning. Encourage us this morning. God, we give you praise now in Jesus' name. Amen.